What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Monkeys, it's me, D-D-P, Diamond Dallas Page, the king of Bada Bing, the master of Diamond Cutter, the three-time world champion professional wrestler, WWE Hall of Famer, and CEO and founder of DDP Yoga. And you monkeys, well, you're listening to Geek Vibes Nation. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Bang! Yes! 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 It is another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. I know you guys have missed us the last two weeks. We had the 4th of July, and then we had a, um, I couldn't do it, one of those scheduling type of things that happens. Uh, not a lot of news happened that week either, but now we are back with a new episode. We are, this is the go-home show. It's the go-home for Extreme Rules, but we'll get to that. But it's, it's the comeback show, if you will, and we're, we're very happy to have you here listening for another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. I want to thank and welcome, of course, my co-host, Mr. Christopher Brother Ray Patton. How are you doing, sir? I am doing absolutely wonderful, man. It's great to be back talking about some wrestling. And, uh, man, we have a lot to talk about this week in comparison to uh, the scheduling conflict week. And uh, the intro, by the way, I have heard C-Murder has an appeal coming out. So we might get, you know, the Wolfpack theme song part two live Ooh. soon. See murder getting out of jail for, you know, murdering a guy. Why you put <laughs> murder in there, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. why wouldn't you? <laughs> no. uh, you don't turn yeah. your back on the Wolfpack. Ever. Might end up in a body bag. What? Are you actually talking about the rapper that rapped that? He actually murdered someone? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, dude. Little little rap news to start the show off. See uh, murder of No Limit fame. Uh, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was him. That, that uh, you know, going back in the retrospective of WCW, people forget that you know No Limit soldiers were like kind of a faction, and then Wolfpack spun out of that with the See Murder song, which is also a spinoff song of Militia, uh, which is another rap song. So, uh, hot takes from the Wow, the, these are some deep cuts for both hip-hop and wrestling. I like it, Chris. I like <laughs> it. Good. But we got a, we got a packed show for you guys tonight. We're definitely going to be talking about the G1 special, uh, a little bit about the um, our predictions uh, for Extreme Rules, and uh, just we'll go over some news items. So uh, let's go right into that. Let's go over some news. Okay. So I think the first um, news, something that's kind of important, uh, that I thought that we should talk about, you know, 
Chris, was that they just announced that Ronda Rousey is going to be officially the secret DLC, whatever the hell, special package, buy it, you know, give us $20, we'll give you all the characters, more, you can get it two weeks early, and then that type of bullshit. So um, I think that's cool. I think that's awesome. Um, I obviously thought she was going to be in it. I wonder if she's going to constantly be, like, you know, pulling up her, her shorts, uh, like in real life, I'm just kidding. I, I like Ronda Rousey a lot, and I, I'm I'm excited to see some of her move sets in the game. But just in general, we really haven't talked about WWE 2K19. Uh, you know, I've gotten you kind of into playing uh, 18. We usually have a lot of fun doing it. Um, you are a big gamer, um, along with Ronda Rousey being in this game, and that being a cool thing uh, for her being uh, part of it, and also Ray being like the legend, just. In the last two years, they've kind of done this thing where they, you know, they had Goldberg on it, and then he came back. And then they had uh, last year, um, oh, Kurt Angle, and he came back. So it's this weird recurring theme. You know, it's confirmed that he hasn't signed anything, Chris. But Ray might be doing something with WWE that's definitely been talked about. So do you think that's possible? What do you think about Ronda being uh, the uh, special DLC, whatever the hell they're calling it? I don't, I don't know what they call it these days, the kids. And Mechanic, Mechanics-wise and, and other things, what would you like to see this new version do that you don't – that the last one lacked, basically? Well, I like, I, I saw the roster that they released. Uh, it's got, like, 33 superstars on it um, right off the bat. And I know that they're going to be adding more. Um, some of the big ones that I saw that I, I – I think Nikki Bella wasn't in the last game, if I recall. The, the Bellas are going to be there. Brock Lesnar, obviously, returning. Um, the big two for me, Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy from the DLC, obviously. Um, Rey Mysterio being pre-order and Ronda Rousey being pre-order. I think that's cool. I, I'm not a huge fan of a game that you roll over year to year already having DLC. Uh, because I don't think they're going to change that much in between. Uh, I, I think nope. a lot of these character models they've already kind of introduced, uh, you know, through the other DLC packs uh, in WWE 2K18, and the submission mini game still sucks. Still sucks balls. Climbing up a ladder to grab a briefcase still sucks balls. Um, but that being said, if you're drinking some cold beer, hanging out with a friend, just playing some wrestling, and you realize you can download Lil Wayne. <laughs> you're going to have a good time. <laughs> or, you know, if you want to be a tag team of Hulk Hogan <laughs> and Donald Trump, you can totally fucking do that. I don't know why you would. You can do it. But you can't. Uh, now, all jokes aside, like, um, I think the roster is, I, they haven't released the full thing yet, but I, with 33 people, that's like half the roster. And like, it's got, People like Alicia Fox, Apollo Crews, Jinder Mahal, like the stuff they've released thus far, I'm like, man, you guys really led with what I would kind of consider some bottom-tier wrestlers, but uh, <laughs> whatever. Um, I don't know. I mean, the, the, I hope they improve some of the online stuff. Uh, I think the character creation is blurred in 2K4. I think the uh, yep. the way you're able to create dream matches uh, just by the fans putting in the work to make that game good is what has made people continue to buy that game. Oh, you know what the best is, part, Chris, is the fact that 
the fans that go ahead and make all of those amazing creations, um, I appreciate it because for all the fans that don't want to fucking do all of that, it's so amazing you could just go in and download them. Although the one thing that I have to say, I, I meant to pass it right back to you, but since I'm on the subject, if they could just eliminate, I know that a lot of listeners that they play the game, once you get to a certain amount of uh, images that you've downloaded along with those said wrestlers, I think once you delete that person, it should everything should go together away so you don't have to go through 2,000 sometimes images and delete all the ones that are not being used by anyone to be able to download more people. But then again, I shouldn't have 100 wrestlers downloaded. I clearly know that, but I'm kind of obsessed with fantasy booking. Sorry, Chris, anyways. Yeah, I mean, I, at some point, man, I think it's better for you just to delete your entire save game and start fresh when it comes to that. Uh, you do you do a lot. You do a lot of downloading. I think that is the coolest part. I think that's what keeps the game relevant. Um, I kind of wish they would take a year off. It's not very Sega 2K to do that. I, but I, I wish they would take a year off so that they could really think about the game that they were going to make make some really good enhancements to it, take out some of the mini-games um, and some of the jankiness as far as, you know, like, moves connecting and stuff. But outside of that, like, uh, as far as Ronda Rousey being the the DLC character, I, I, you know, I think they see her as a really big deal. Um, obviously, that's accompanied with Rey Mysterio. Uh, I think it'd be cool to see what kind of commercials you're going to do. I thought the stuff they did with Brock Lesnar and the stuff they did with Goldberg in the past commercial-wise was pretty cool. But I'm looking forward to it because I'll get to play it with you. I'm not looking forward to having to buy the best version to download the characters when it gets released. Um, But it's, you know, nonetheless, it's cool. Um, I'm interested to see how many wrestlers they launch this thing with. I think they should at least... How are they able to get the whole roster on here? Like, if you really think about it, the, the SmackDown, if you do SmackDown, the top of SmackDown, the top of Raw and the smack top of NXT at this point, you're looking at like 75 to 80 people already without any um, downloadable characters that you might want to play as. So that's uh, that's kind of where WWE is at right now with their signed talent. If you really think about it, yeah, I'm trying to find. I think there was a hundred people after with with DLC and everyone included on the last game, and they try to outdo themselves every single time. So that's always something to look forward to. What's not I think something to look forward to with the game is that there are little glitch mechanical issues that happen, and it's like they can't figure them out. Uh, some things are limitations, I feel, with the game. Is you used to be able to customize your matches much more until they came to the next the, this generation of systems, uh, and you can't. They don't allow you to do certain things just for no reason, really. Uh, you could do a 40-man Royal Rumble. You can't do that now. Um, just just little things. And then, like, in the ring, I hate it if you set up a ladder. It has to go in a certain spot. You can't set up a ladder for a table that easily anymore. It's so hard and clunky. Uh, sometimes your ladder will fling the other guys into another direction, those, those type of glitches. I can get around that for a fun wrestling video game. And also, for, for Christmas' sake, they used to have the submission uh, stuff. It was much easier. It, it, like, I don't know why they try to overcomplicate that. And I don't know why they, they took away... Uh, the ability to start off the match, you know, um, I mean, you can you, you can go ahead and do it, uh, getting each other like in a hold, basically, and starting it off like that, locking arms and stuff. Um, 
But it used to be kind of like that would happen no matter what, and they kind of just trailed off on that. I don't know. There's there's certain things. It's not great when a video game comes out every year, and what they do is they go, all right, well, all the bugs that we'll have, we're, we're going to try to spend some time working on that. But we'll, what we're mainly going to work on is more content, more content, more content. That doesn't impress me as a consumer because you're not fixing the bugs that happen. Now, granted, I've bought every game so far since 14, so maybe I am a bad example. But if you can fix certain things and take away some of the things that you, uh, that you were able to do in the previous game that would uh, more fun, uh, I think my career mode – is coming back. I'm looking forward to that because I didn't, I didn't like, or, or maybe it was, I forgot what, what mode it was, but it was taken away for some reason. Um, and they're bringing it back. Uh, general manager mode. That's what it was. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about that. I would love to be able to create my own pay-per-views like I did on the freaking 64 ones. Um, but that I guess is another weird complaint and just a huge roster. I'd love to see Yokozuna included. He hasn't been in since 14, you can't create that body type. It would just be fun to kind of play it with him again. Uh, that's my minor. I mean, for the most part, they put everyone in. And if, if if you're not in the game, like me and Chris have both said, the capabilities online with the, the customization of the characters and then their movesets and everything, really, sometimes they even get the entrance almost perfect. So the only thing interesting is their song. You know, it's limitless with the potential of matches, but... Some of the game mechanics it, it itself, uh, they definitely need to uh, clean up some stuff. But what I was going to ask you yeah. one more thing, Chris, uh, uh, pass to you, um, you know, along with what I was just saying. I also really like that they had the, the, a speech that Roddy Roddy Piper was talking to Rhonda within the commercial playing in the background. For all the fucking marks that still complain, that is so disrespectful that she wore Roddy Roddy Piper stuff. And just don't take the time to Google and research for two fucking minutes to find out that there's a connection between the two, that this is stuff that's actually been completely approved. It just boggles my mind still, but you know, that's, that's social media and the internet. What do you expect? Bro, I expect you to stay out of the comment section. Like I've told you, um, but no! <laughs> yeah, the fucking, um, <laughs> the only thing shittier than some of WWE 2K 18's mechanics is the comment section. Of any internet post. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's things I hate about that game. But I enjoy playing it with friends. Um, I think we'll try to do, maybe we'll try to get together with some people that are listening to the show. If you're listeners, you're on Geek, Vibe, Geek Vibe's uh, live page, obviously hit us up. We'll try to do something. I think we'll it'll be fun when the game comes out. Maybe, uh, maybe they'll have a Royal Rumble. That'd be cool. We could get, you know, six people into a Royal Rumble in a game chat. Or if they give us that option, that's another thing they took away. Royal Rumble's online. Why? So let's design it real quick and just go. Well, we'll figure something but, out, but um, hopefully with the GM mode, we can do some cool creative, you know, wrestler stuff. They still have the face uploads. I, I think that that's something we can look, you know, forward to doing next year, uh, heading I'm into WrestleMania Chris, or even heading into the Royal Rumble. Maybe a little bit of, uh, maybe a little bit of twitching, me and you especially since I'm going to be moving uh, quite close to you, if you will. Uh, maybe trying that. Maybe commentating while we Twitch stream or something like that. That, 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 that could be fun. Could be cool. I don't, doubt, I, I, I don't think anyone wants to hear us talk, though. Oh, no, they do. <laughs> well, if that's true, then they're, they're probably not listening to the show right now, you know? <laughs> we'll see, I guess. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh-huh. Um, 
Yeah, I think it'd be really cool, man. I, I think it's going to be fun. I enjoy playing the game. There's definitely stuff I don't like about it. But, you know, it's the same shit I complain about with every sports game I play, which uh, yeah, for those that don't know, I'm a huge NHL fan, big hockey fan. I buy every – the same way Dane eats up these WWE 2K games, I buy all of the EA NHL games. And every year I find something to bitch about, something that they took it out, some uh, mechanic yep. that they changed, something I hate, the speed of the game. Um, it's always something. But if you really, if you really enjoy something – um, and you have friends to play it with, I would say pick the game up. Um, it, it's going to be fun no matter what. I mean, I, I downloaded a version of Obama that just hits RKOs all day. So, like, <laughs> there's always something <laughs> dumb and fun to do. Uh, every move of his is mapped to an RKO. So, uh, when you I have cool you stuff like that, <laughs> I mean, when you have cool stuff like that, the community behind the game, and the people that really play it, I think, make the game more fun um, than actually playing the game in a lot of ways. Uh, and, and just, you know, your creativity on building a match. Um, I think the fun you can have with that game is endless. It's not, I'm not ever going to say that it plays really well and that this feels really tight because it just doesn't. It's just clunky in a way that just feels weird, especially from someone that loves Super Pro. Like, I feel like Super Pro plays really, really good. Uh, which is coming out as well, so you guys can also pick up Super Pro. Uh, but yeah, we'll do both. We'll do, we'll do both. We'll play Super Pro and WWE at the same time. Same time. Yep. Um, but, but yeah, I, not to hold this up any longer, but uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. I probably will buy whatever John Cena heavyweight champion broken mark hardy edition that they put out or whatever whatever version they just they put out a little ronda rousey version that had like a leather coat um yeah full of dlc uh that's probably the version i'll be picking out a little leather coat sleeve or whatever so uh this time when i go to download characters it's not like you're missing 1991 steam so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I feel you. I heard this. I heard this version is coming with a uh, a plaque from Shane McMahon for each. Uh, I have no idea. I just made that up off the top of my ass. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's going to be fun. And all I'm saying is, there is no fucking point uh, to be able to do a suplex to the outside uh, if you don't have a flaming table right down to be able to go through. That would never happen. I'm just saying. All right. Anyway, let's go to our next uh, little. Uh, well, I'll just run through real quick. It's not really a news item that we need to talk about too much, but unfortunately, both Rudy Uriah and Fandango have sustained injuries in the last two weeks. There's another injury that we will be talking about with uh, with uh, New Japan later, but that's completely different. But uh, just wanted to say that it's unfortunate for both of them. Uh, I think Fandango's up for like six months. So I hope that they get healthier and hope to see him back in the ring because I like both of them as uh, performers. Uh What's the next one that we... Oh, uh, Kenta, Mr. Hato Atami. Um, very cool, I find. More, you know, not... I, I think it's great that Kenta's going back to to be able to perform in pro-wrestling Noah. It's more of what we've been talking about, Chris, with a little bit of interaction between Triple H and WWE working with bigger and bigger, it seems, uh, organizations, whether it be, you know, over in England or Evolve or now with pro-wrestling Noah, that's it, it's cool that there's this type of interaction. Do you agree? 
Yeah, I think it's awesome. Uh, it's cool just to see companies working together in general. Uh, as far as the injuries go, I know Fandango had a like a left uh, labrum ter- tear, like in his shoulder. Um, and him and Goldust had surgery on the same exact day, and apparently Goldust had both of his knees replaced. Uh, so there's like a great Bam. photo of the at the hospital together, and Fandango's like wrapped up, and in Goldust, both Goldust's legs are wrapped up. Um, it makes you realize that you know Dustin Reynolds has been doing this shit a long time. So yeah, uh, it's it's kind of nuts, and uh, hopefully they have you know, safe uh, recoveries. I didn't hear what Ruby Riot's injury is. That sucks for her. I thought that she was, um, I think that she's been underutilized, but I feel like they had been giving her a little bit of a push recently. So it sucks that she, you know, got injured and hopefully once again, I hope she has a return. Um, and as far as cross promotion, I think we've, you know, we've talked about it quite a bit. I think it's awesome what WWE is trying to accomplish with that, uh, with, you know, with Adam Cole, recently and uh, just every, everything they've had going on without me pulling up a list of, you know, stuff. I, I, I really think it's good for business. It, it kind of brings back a territory feel to the WWE that didn't exist before. I wish they would let some of their main roster stars do that to help some of the smaller, <clears throat> smaller companies that they're trying to, you know, do promotion with, especially in the UK, like seeing someone like, uh, you know, like over in the UK, if you see Tyler Bate versus someone like, I don't know, Dolph Ziggler, I think that would be good for them because it's exactly what you yep. know, New Japan does in a way where they, they have no problem with their top talent going to have matches. Obviously, you don't want whoever has the belt doing it, but there's plenty of guys uh, with as much talent as they have on that roster and as little as they have to do a lot of times on uh, Raw and SmackDown that you could be promoting between NXT, Raw, SmackDown, and these other companies in a way that they haven't fully uh, taken advantage of. Like someone like Zack Ryder, for instance. Why not send him over to the UK if you're really expanding? You have a guy like Zack Ryder. He's a good wrestler. I think he could probably have some good matches. He's got a character that people know. Like there's just people like that, that that gives them an opening, and that's intriguing to me. I don't know that they'll go that route, but if I, you know, if I looked around my roster and saw these people I was paying, and I was trying to branch out um, if I'm just trying to develop talent or find talent or, you know, have these matches abroad to build relationships. I think there are certain people on the main roster they could do that with, not necessarily, you know, Adam Cole, who's a, a title holder in, in NXT. There's things I would be a little smarter about. Uh, but, yeah, like, overall, I think that's a really – it's still really cool to think about, and I'm excited to see where it goes. And it, it, it all comes off the heels of that Triple H conference call, so – it's good to see that he, yep. when he said that, he actually meant it, and you can see shades of it. It's not full bore, like, hey, we're opening a fucking dojo in Japan right next to, you know, the New Japan <laughs> Young Lions Center or anything crazy like that, but you're at least seeing, like, shades of it, uh, which I think is, is really neat. And I think it's good for WWE because they need to start building talent. Uh, building their own talent. Eventually, they'll run out of an indie pool to grab from. Right now, most of their top guys did not come up through the WWE system. And I think that is something they need to worry about in the future. Absolutely. I just think it's cool that uh, with an organization like Pro Wrestling Noah, maybe that will be who they go to in Japan 
kind of similar to who they work with in the UK, obviously, is Progress in England and uh, ICW over in Scotland. And then over here, it seems like NXT has a relationship with Evolve. So that's cool that that kind of happens. And it keeps things from getting I, – I don't think New Japan's worried if WWE comes over there too much or anything like that, but I think it's going to be much smaller than people think. Um, I think the UK will be big, but, I mean, maybe they all have potential being big. It's just like a small step in a direction, I think, of interconnecting and not taking away from anything like that. But, um, yeah, you know, uh, I, I, I think it's a good thing for sure. Um, let's move on. Uh, unfortunately, Raw suffered its worst ratings since it competed with uh, the presidential debates, uh, which is not good uh, because it didn't really have – too much competition, maybe there's something sports-related. I'm not uh, know or knowing that uh, Chris will let me in on. But um, Chris, what do you think about this, the uh, bad ratings? Bad ratings for I heard the presidential Monday elections for Monday Night Raw. I didn't pay attention to the presidential election, so or the presidential, I guess what a conversation that Donald Trump was having with himself. Uh, so yeah. Oh um, no, I, I have no idea about that. I, I was saying the ratings. Uh, this is the lowest they've been since they were competing with the debates a year ago. I have no oh, idea. Okay. okay. All right. I misunderstood. I, I I thought you meant that he had given like a State of the Union address or you know like a some sort of I'm going to take over. Was, was there some type of uh, was there some type of sports thing that happened Monday night? Some type of sports thing? I sound like an idiot. But like uh, I mean, was, right uh, now the. Game? Uh, well, I mean, the World Cup is going on, but it's happening during the day. There wasn't really any big sports. Yeah, I mean, they're they're kind of going up against baseball in the NBA's. Uh, I hate to call it a D league, but they're you know they're they're minor league stuff uh, outside of baseball. Baseball isn't. There's a lot of baseball, but it it's not as huge. It's not as popular as it used to be. Just put it that way. So like Monday night, I can't really think of anything that was going on and why the ratings would be bad other than. Uh, Monday Night Raw has kind of sucked the past month or so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of true. Um, well, either way, I thought it was just kind of strange that they didn't have a lot of big competition. They still scored, uh, you know, worse ratings than when they were going against Hillary and, uh, you know, Trump trying to strangle each other with words. Uh, just very strange in general. Unfortunate, but I'm sure that they'll come around from it. Uh, just... I, you- those are pretty. That's pretty low. Yeah, the, I mean the ratings are so weird with WWE because when you're in the down slump between WrestleMania and SummerSlam, basically, yeah, right. Uh, it, it it's such a weird thing where fans just wait until it posts to Hulu. Like ninety, I would say a good amount of fans just will wait until it posts to Hulu so they can watch it commercial free or. Like, all of that stuff is so weird when it comes to Monday Night Raw and SmackDown because there's other ways to consume media that doesn't show up on, you know, the normal stat sheet. Uh, specifically, I don't know how how those numbers are padded or not padded with USA now that they've sold the box. Uh, there's a bunch of shady shit with ratings in general. Um, I know they were super low against the NBA playoffs, specifically, most recently, and then they always have a hard time against Monday Night Football. But uh, I, I guess, you know, the presidential election is always a huge deal. So they yeah. seven million people watching states turn red or blue on screen. <laughs> it's just always weird. Very strange thing indeed. But 
like I said, I'm sure Raw will be back uh, to having decent ratings from quality programming next uh, week, especially right after this uh, pay-per-view. Either way, uh, let's talk about non-pay-per-view and non-Raw or SmackDown. Undertaker made his return to Madison Square Garden, and uh, I watched the videos they post. Uh, it was pretty cool seeing him interact. He was on team with Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns. Like, that's not just completely unneeded at that point. Um, he had a little bit of interaction uh, with Braun Strowman, like, you know, thanking him, and Braun left, and then he had a stare down with Roman, kind of going back to the WrestleMania match. It was cool, but I, I don't understand uh, – I'm assuming, Chris, it's because of production costs and everything. But I, I just wonder why, if they make a special about Brock Lesnar coming back to Madison Square Garden, um, why can't they just take a little bit of money, give us, uh, you know, or us, us WWE um, online consumers, the ones that get the uh, memberships, uh, you know, a show uh, of The Undertaker, or at least a match, you know, in its entirety, instead of a bunch of clips from what look like cell phone videos that they post on their official site. What, what do you think about the whole thing? I, I think that you're going to get some sort of documentary of The Undertaker this year, being that he's wrestling more matches than he has in a really long time. Uh, I'm wondering if they're putting this together for a 24 to WrestleMania like they did with Kevin Owens or something. Uh, there's got to yeah. be some reason behind him being there. Uh, but, yeah, I agree with you. It's just, it's just strange. I, I am happy, though, The Undertaker came back to Madison Square Garden. That's awesome. From the little bit that I saw in those clips, he looked good. So, uh, continue tearing shit up. Uh, we got two more uh, news items until we go into our uh, review and then our predictions. Um, big one, uh, this next thing, is that Daniel Bryan, I mean, this has been a reoccurring theme. Daniel Bryan still hasn't re-signed with WWE. Uh, there's no negotiation for a new contract. And now there's been new information that's been leaked that straight from the horse's mouth. He's not happy about the schedule that he's performing at, that he wanted a much lighter schedule. Um, I'm assuming, you know, the, the Randy Orton schedule, if you will, uh, that a lot of guys have where they come and, you know, they, they play a good amount of dates, but they're not on the road so much. I mean, if this is all true, he seems pretty – seemed like he was being pretty genuine, uh, you know, to the interviewer, at least, um, that if this guy is overtired, is this really a signal that Dan O'Brien might not re-sign with WWE, that, the, the, that other rumors, uh, Chris, that Miz will have, and we'll, have, we'll find out Sunday, but Miz will have some involvement of hell no losing Sunday, and that will get Miz and Dan O'Brien for SummerSlam, and then Dan O'Brien might be done. At, with WWE after that, which would be very strange for them not to hold on to him. But given the fact that he's saying that he's, that he's tired, that he's being overworked, that he hasn't re-signed, they haven't negotiated anything following that, um, do you know that it's possible that WWE might let Daniel Bryan go to make a company like New Japan or Ring of Honor so much more money, I think? Uh, like, I, I just can't think of why they would allow that, but what do you think about it? I took it as he's not happy on how he's being booked. I don't, I don't think he's complaining about the work schedule as much as he's leading on. I think there's something deeper there. I think he's not – he wasn't super ecstatic about working with Big Cass, for instance, or his first match being back with Shane McMahon. I mean, you fluff the pillows and you, you can try to pretty it up all you want, but at some point it's still a Motel 6. 
Like the way they booked him coming back, I I don't think they've done a great job. I think they've done a good job of putting him over. Um, but the programs, the big programs that they put him in thus far, haven't really been anything, um, especially for someone that's as big as he is. I don't think he'll be done after SummerSlam because his contract goes past all in, which is one of the reasons why they were trying to get the WWE contract done was so that he, like he's going to have a 90-day no-compete, so even if his contract ends, you won't see him anywhere until probably next year to begin with. So it's a it's a weird scenario for him, but it, it's one of those things where when people talk about the travel schedule, especially someone like Daniel Bryan, who kind of was known as a workhorse up until his injuries anyways, it seems more of a – and then obviously he's had kids and he's married. And he's also doing the Bellas and all these other well, yeah, shows. Well, that, yeah, that's – that's what he was getting at, basically, is that he was told it was going to be a lot lighter. You know those stories that Vince McMahon convinced someone to come back for a certain amount of dates, and then he's like, hey, can you actually do this, this, and this? And then before you know it, he I guess he missed Birdie's uh, maybe second birthday or something like that. So he was really upset about that. But he was basically saying, uh, "I don't." we know Daniel Bryan's a hard ass, but obviously he's a family man too. And I'm just wondering what, what I was basically asking, not, not past SummerSlam, but – when his contract's up, do you think that he'll resign? I think if they give him like a Lesnar-esque schedule, it's possible. I, I don't understand why he resigned with WWE to begin with, given what they were going to put him in, like the yeah. storyline they were going to give him. Um, I understand he probably did it for his fan base, but he he's going to have a fan base no matter where he goes. Like he's just that guy. Like the same way Cody Rhodes, like when people were like, you know, Cody Rhodes leaving, that's going to be pretty much the end of Cody Rhodes' career. And actually, if you really think about it, it was kind of the beginning of Cody Rhodes' career. Now, obviously, Daniel Bryan was on a whole other level. Yeah. But people aren't going to fucking forget who Daniel Bryan is in the same way they haven't forgot who Chris Jericho is. It's just going to benefit whatever company he ends up working for. Um, obviously, I, I think that, you know, the prime candidates out there would be Ring of Honor and probably New Japan. And what kind of schedule he wants to work. Um, but I think it does come down to him just not being happy with what they've done with him thus far, honestly. Yes. Uh, like not being part of Money in the Bank. Uh, I, I know that there was reasoning behind that with worries about injuries and stuff, but if the man's going to go out there and wrestle, if something's going to happen, it's going to happen no matter what. Oh, come on. If you're going to let him go in a friggin' Royal Rumble and get the crap knocked out of him, or take all the that punishment from Samoa Joe and and go in this giant gauntlet match. Like, really? I mean, I think you you know what I'm saying. Like, like WWE likes to pick their freaking arguments and they're stupid. Yeah, and I and I'm totally agreeing with you on that. What I'm that's basically what I'm saying is, if you really read into it and you look at what they've given him thus far, yep. realize that he's the biggest fucking star they have. Like hands down, the biggest pop every time his music is. He was the biggest star they've had since probably, God, I don't know. I would say probably The Rock, at least. If, you know, CM Punk maybe on the same level as what Daniel Bryan was. Like, at the time he left, he was fucking massive. So I think when he thought he was yep. coming back, that there's going to be more for him to do. Um, I thought, you know, he probably thought he was going to be going against AJ Styles, Shinsuke, and uh, you know, Kevin Owens in a feud or, you know, something top tier, not like, hey, you get big casts at Money in the Bank. 
and then also we're going to kill the feud because Big Cass is, is, is making bad choices. We're going to fire him afterwards. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't like, make any sense at all. And then, I mean, like, I, you know, I've, I can't even think of, like, you know, outside of The Miz, I can't think of anything they can build towards. And the thing with The Miz happened almost two years ago. So it's like they've already lost the momentum on that, unless they're going to recap it, or unless they're going to have, you know, Miz rebuild it. But you don't even have Talking Smack in the same format that you had it in. Um, that whole situation points to Daniel Bryan being like, I went through, did all this work in these hyperbolic chambers and proved that I was healthy and came back and had a really good match at WrestleMania that everyone thought was going to suck, including me. Like, I thought it was going to be terrible. Um, and it ended up working. I still don't think it was, like, a great match, but it was decent. And then they did dick all with it. Um, yeah, even the booking into that match at WrestleMania was kind of – should have already shown him kind of what he was getting into uh, and, and where they're going to kind of put him at. Like, I think they think that he's can be like a Chris Jericho, and I don't know that he wants to do that. I think he wants to be – one of, if not the top dogs, and I think he feels like he can perform that way. And, uh, you know, obviously, if you're going to miss your daughter's birthday and then you realize that you're fucking wrestling in the middle of the card, it's it's probably going to piss you off. I think, you know, like, it's one of those things where you're doing all of this shit for this company. You're doing these two shows, like Total Bellas, Total Divas, and you're showing up week in, week out to do this when you left you were the top guy in the company and they have you wrestling big fucking cast like i would be a little pissed myself all right so let's let's uh let's let's pretend that it doesn't work out and daniel bryan goes elsewhere uh between new japan and uh, ring of honor who would be the first person you'd like to see him go against i think i know the answer but i have no idea so ring of honor specifically i think um you could you can do both yeah that's fine I mean, if it was it, New Japan, I would love to see him go against NATO. Um, oh, I thought you were going to say Okada. I would love to see him go against Okada, but, like, he's not on Okada's level in New Japan. you got to build your way there, man. you <laughs> 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 got to build your way up to the, to the big shark in the little sea, as Okada said. You know, what I, um, you know what I like about Okada, though, honestly, is because the one thing that scares the shit out of me, and I mean, we're going to be talking about it uh, relatively soon. Um, and I know that they, you know, Jane O'Brien knows his limitations. I'm sure the wrestlers over there know his limitations. But I think Okada is one of the safest workers over there. I think that he performs at a level where you can trust that he can do certain things. And also, obviously, you know, being able to take a reverse Arana on the outside, he knows what he's doing too. So it, not only do I think they would have fantastic matches. Um, but I also think that he would be appropriate for Daniel to square up with. I guess I got to get over that a little bit, Chris, because if he wrestles, he's going to wrestle whoever. And it just, I hate that, you know, not enjoying him and Samoa Joe kicking shit out of each other a couple SmackDowns ago and me actually worrying for his life because of it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I would just say, you know, Daniel Bryan's always been a safe worker. Uh, the things that he had gotten concussions, like one was from Seamus, and you already you've already heard my thoughts on Seamus as far as like if we're talking about people who are a little like safe. Um, Top five, right? Favorite, right? 
Yeah, totally. Top five favorites. Um, you can't worry about it. If the man wants to wrestle, he's going to wrestle. If he gets another concussion, yeah, he'll be done. That'll be the end of his wrestling career. Um, I. But what do you do? Do you just work bullshit matches? Like, I, I don't... At some point, you're going to no. want to do something big. I'm not saying get powerbombed to the outside <laughs> from inside of the ring or anything crazy like that. But yeah. Like, do I think that I him, and NATO could, God. him and NATO could have a good match with Brian's limitations in the same way that Jericho has been able to go over there and have good matches at 48 years old? The answer to that is yes. I like. There's lots of people that he have good matches with. Like Jay Lethal would have been my Ring of, Ring of Honor example of someone I'd like to see him go with. Mine too. I, no, we, I, I at some point, us as fans, we have to separate <laughs> Daniel Bryan from his injuries, in the same way you you separate any sports any athlete. Um, you know, like. Uh, if CM Punk decides to fight in the UFC again, that's more dangerous than Daniel Bryan wrestling Omega in New Japan. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> like, at some point, I you just have to separate it and be like, if they're going to no, get injured, they're going to get injured. No, that's that's a very good comparison. I mean, you're absolutely right on that because with wrestling, obviously, it's people, you know, working it out, basically, and one slip-up, of doing something wrong could hurt the person, but you're not intending to hurt them. Like with MMA and UFC where, you know, Punk goes in there with someone else. He could literally get several concussions uh, from several kicks, knees, whatever in one match. So especially with Punk being the way he is, if he doesn't get knocked out, we saw he's going to keep on trying to go until, you know, he taps out or he's knocked out. So that's a lot of damage on his own body. Speaking about the UFC, our last topic this week happened Saturday night, uh, same night that was the G1 special. Uh, UFC had their pro, uh, their 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 latest event. I don't know what the hell they call them actually, but um, DC Daniel Cormier uh, he uh, won the title, and um, basically he has the light. I believe he has the light heavyweight and the heavyweight title now. Uh, so he's going to have to drop one or the other or something like that. I, I, guys out there, I used to love UFC. I used to pay attention so much. I still keep up with certain people, especially like DC, because I like his performance rate. I think he's an awesome um, fighter, but I don't remember stuff as well as I used to, so I apologize if I'm uh, you know, commentating, I guess, the way that people complain with Josh Barnett and JR, but we'll get to that. Um, and, but, yeah, so – DC basically, you know, cuts the promo on a person that he'd like to go against, and it happens to be Brock Lesnar. This all looked very worked. I don't know if they guaranteed that DC was going to win the match, but then Brock Lesnar, who's in the audience, sitting next to Dana White, comes in the ring, gets in his face, and shows more energy and and, uh, happiness than he has in the WWE for the last three years. Um, Challenges DC to a a fight, and they're going to let that happen with WWE. Uh, Chris, how do you feel about that whole entire thing? Um, do you think this contributes to Brock potentially getting out of, of WWE um, to go? Because if he wins the title, I mean, there's not going to be a lot they can do around that. He's going to be performing every so often for the heavyweight. I'm just wondering if he's going to leave WWE or if WWE is going to be like, oh, screw it, we'll keep the belt on him, it'll make it look great. And then I don't know what it is. 
do you think Braun Strowman uh, is going to wait for DC to uh, submit Brock Lesnar and then run out with his Money in the Bank briefcase at the UFC event and cash it in <laughs> and then get the universal title for Brock Lesnar? Possibly. That's what I really would like to see happen. Because let, 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 let's face it, I think Brock's, I don't know, who knows? I mean, he's a powerful guy, but I think that he's a little bit past his prime. Um, what do you think? Brock's a powerful guy, but isn't DC known more for his wrestling than his actual striking? Yeah. Like, I know he he laid that he cat is. out, but like, like when I was reading about the match beforehand, going into that match, I thought it was going to be. I, I honestly thought it was going to be. Uh, is it Miochix? Did I pronounce that right? Stite. I thought that he was going to end up just getting gassed because it's a, it was a five-round fight. I thought he was just going to end up getting gassed and submitted, honestly, um, just because I, like, I haven't seen him go that long with anyone. Uh, but, you know, outside of that, like, if it's just going to – if Brock can weather this storm and it just turns into a straight wrestling match, he has a huge size advantage. And um, not to, like, crap on DC because he came up a weight class, you know, like he wasn't looking like he was the most fit person in the world in that fight. Uh, obviously, he could kick the shit out of me, but like a lot of people could kick the shit out of me, so that's not saying much. Um, <laughs> but you know what I'm like. <laughs> Brock is kind of a monster, um, so if it goes to straight wrestling and Brock can avoid strikes and they just kind of out wrestle each other, then that becomes interesting um, as far as a match goes. And the promo that Brock caught—I mean, we've known for a while that Brock Brock's contracts up at, at SummerSlam. He wants to go to the UFC. It's already been cleared. Like, we knew it was happening. I didn't know who he was going to fight. This makes it interesting. I think it's interesting for me as a more, more as a wrestling fan than a UFC fan because, like, if you're a UFC fan, you look at your heavyweight title division, you're like, well, the lightweight just came up and won the heavyweight title, and we have to go get Brock Lesnar to have someone for him to even fucking challenge. And that's a bad spot to be in uh, as a company. Um you're, if you're booking your pay-per-views, your large pay-per-views around, you know, Brock Lesnar, who he won his last UFC fight but tested positive for PDs, and you're putting him against your champion, it's kind of a weird fucking situation to be in as a company. It kind of looks shady. I don't think that they, like, set – my guess is they set it up that Brock Lesnar was going to fight whoever won. So you probably would get the same reaction whether Brock was fighting one or the other. Obviously, it's a little more because him and DC are friends, apparently. But I think you would have gotten the same thing, no matter who won that fight. Uh, I'm not one of those guys who's going to be like, UFC is a giant work, because I don't, I don't feel that way. But obviously, if, if you know you're bringing Brock Lesnar back to fight the champion no matter what, then it's easy enough to just be like, well, whoever wins, you go up and you push him, and you cut a promo, and then that's you. But uh, Brock should really uh, look at Paul Heyman cutting his UFC promos as well because that was just that was just him yelling curse words at me <laughs> for like fucking half of it. Would you want Brock to be yelling curse words at you though? Hey. Fuck no, dude. Hey, I don't want good. any of these guys anywhere near me mad at all. Like none of these dudes. <laughs> yeah, that's like I don't want people to get it twisted out there. I don't want any of these him and my guys mad at me. And I wasn't. I mean, I'm not. I'm not uh, talking shit about DC. Like, he knocked that guy clean out. Like, it was – he took – Yeah. The, 
the setup for that punch was like the strangest thing, like the clit, the, the little clinch they were in going out of it, because there was two ways he could went with it. And I can't believe he dotted the guy as hard as he, hard as he did. And I mean, both corners were surprised by that shit. So I'm not the only person. Like both corners, like watching the reaction of Joe Rogan in the corners. There's like a video. I think it's on MMA Weekly. If you watch it, of everyone's reaction. It was awesome. Of the knockout is nuts. Even Brock Lesnar like pops for it. Um, I think that's cool for the UFC. I think Brock being there is cool for the UFC. But if Brock wins, what do you do? You just set up a rematch. Like, where do you go? Where do you go? He's a guy that's not, he's not know, taking man. any fight since his last fight, which was a year, like a year and a half ago, right? Yeah, I think the main think- thing with that is is the fact that Brock, like, is a name. And that's why they let CM Punk on a fucking main card where he should not have been anywhere near that, because CM Punk's a name. They don't have a lot over there. Ronda Rousey's now in, in WWE. Connor's going to come back, even all that crazy shit happened. Dana White's still going to let him fucking fight, I'm, I'm telling you, because he's still a big name. We got John Jones with all of his problems. You know, DC's somewhat of a name, but I think UFC, it just, they used to have Anderson Silva, GSP. Like, it was names that a lot of people knew, and they've, they've unfortunately lost a lot of their, their fan base um, due to, I don't think anything they did, it's just they don't have a lot of, that's why Brock Lesnar's coming back. I mean, how old is Brock? Like forty-two, I think. Like he's there's there, even if he wins the championship, I can't see him holding it for that long. And and uh, it just um, it's it's crazy. I, I know that WWE like it hasn't. I, I know. I remember Dave Metzler talking about it recently, Chris. And I know that his contract is up, but WWE is still trying to get Brock to stay. I wouldn't fucking. I mean, now with this UFC thing, I think it's kind of like obvious. Like something has to happen at SummerSlam, and you know what? Yeah. And I mean, I don't think we're gonna be able to talk about it, but it should be Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar, even if Bobby Lashley gets the title for a little while, just because I think that would be a hell of a lot more that the fans would want to see than fucking Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar again. Roman gets the title, even if either one of them, if they get it, to make everyone happy, just have Braun Strowman cash in, take him out, get the title. That's what well, I, would I mean. Think, but I don't know what they're gonna I, do. I, I agree with you on the wrestling standpoint 100%. Like, they're going to get Brock Lesnar back when he's done with this, unless he wins the title. If he wins the title, then they're not going to get it back. They've got to defend the yep, motherfucker yep. eight months from then. And, I mean, DC is not, like, a young dude either. He's 39. So, like, That's you're looking point. at the, That is their top talent pool for the heavyweights right now. They have Lesnar and DC. And I'm sure there's other guys out there that are just, like, beating the absolute shit out of people, but they got to build that name up. They're in a weird spot like boxing was in a weird spot after Evander Holyfield was done, after Mike was done. Yeah. Like, you had this weird or, role where there wasn't any big-name guys in your heavyweight division. Or and luckily, they, you know, the I middleweight say, stepped up. Uh, dare I say also, uh, like professional wrestling was when Stone Cold and The Rock went to Hollywood. I mean, everyone – they had John Cena, obviously, but it was bigger guys popping up for a long period of time. It wasn't like it was where it was – everyone's eyes was on it, like it was with boxing at that time period. And then it kind of trailed off. And everyone's eyes was on UFC and then, or, or MMA in general. Same concept is what I'm saying. I yeah. Know. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Like, Brock Lesnar, if you, if you even just go look at what he was doing at the NFL Combine, the guy's an absolute freak. Um, without yeah. the diverticulitis, there's no telling what 
he really would have been able to accomplish. The fact that he started MMA training so late in his career, obviously he had a wrestling background. Um, like, it's a whole different world, right? Like, if his striking was just a little bit better, you're talking about a guy that I don't know that anyone in the UFC would be. Like, he's just a fucking monster. He's a be- I mean, like, he ran like 40 in like 4'8 or 4'9, and the dude weighed almost 300 pounds at the NFL combine. Like the guy is just a fucking athletic freak in, in the way that we haven't ever really seen. So I'm never going to count him out of any UFC fight. You can, I mean, like people can throw out the PD shit, whatever, like they're still bringing him back. Like he's still going to have this fight. And if it goes to a wrestling match, I, they're going to be equally matched. Like both guys were great wrestlers. Like that's both of their backgrounds, DC and Lesnar. They're both, they were both amateur wrestlers. So, that becomes interesting in itself. Like, who's going to win in the clinch? Um, I don't know, man. That's really cool. I'm just looking forward to Lesnar being gone from wrestling for a while. I think it'll do wonders for his character, uh, especially if he loses the title in a shitty way. And um, I think you have a chance to build someone big out of it, whether it be Braun or Seth Rollins. I think you could go the route of turning someone like Seth Rollins heel again, or you could turn Dean Ambrose completely heel. I think there's cool shit you could do if you don't want to go the Braun Strowman route. I think Braun Strowman is your obvious choice. So that's, you know, kind of where I see it going. The same same as you. And then you build back. Brock loses this fight. You can build it back to WrestleMania and you can flip the title if you want or you can just have someone get a really big win. Um, yeah, it's called the, the, the Brock title. Yeah, whatever. I mean, it, but, you know, looking at the UFC heavyweight division specifically, that's if I'm a UFC fan, I'm not super happy about this necessarily. Um, because it makes it look like a work, even if it wasn't. Like even if like the work was that like no matter who wins, you're fighting them Brock. Like Brock hasn't won a match since his last match and he got suspended, but the guy that literally knocked out the new heavyweight champion did cocaine and got suspended and he hasn't gotten a match. Like, it's fucking weird, dude. Yeah, <laughs> it is. UFC's in a weirder spot than wrestling. <laughs> like, Brock Lesnar yeah. going to the UFC as a wrestler is not weird for wrestling fans. We're just like, all right, well, I guess Lesnar's going to do that, and he's going to drop the title. But if you're, like, an actual <laughs> UFC fan, it's fucking weirder <laughs> because the guy that knocked DC out <laughs> isn't the guy fighting fucking Brock Lesnar, man. <laughs> Even though they've both failed yeah. drug tests, it's a fucking weird thing. <laughs> I, and I'm not even I, a I'm huge UFC what, fan. I don't but know. I, I, the thing is, the thing is, I, I don't know how many times if, if Brock's gotten uh, in trouble in the past for, you know, some type of enhancement product. But John Jones has done some stupid shit countless times, and it was like another fucking thing. You know that I don't know what but, the fuck he did. He, but, he but none of them were. He said he was going to get clean, apologize, you know, for all of his problems. Said he was never going to do it again. Beat DC and fucking did it again. It was like what the fuck, man. That's at some point. You, at some point, as a company, you just bury the fact that he does cocaine. <laughs> like just, let, let, just as long as it's not right before the match, it's fine. Actually, fuck it. It'll make better television. Just let him do a fucking pound of blow. Actually, we are not uh, promoting the use of cocaine. If there's any kids out there listening to our show, apologize about that. We are um, not advocating. No, but you, you get what I'm saying. They, 
Yeah. Their their biggest star is Bone Jones, and they can't figure out a way to get the guy in the ring. And when they finally do figure it out, it's not going to matter because he's going to be past what Bones what Bone Jones you know was and is. Um, yeah. And that's just a weird situation because now you're bringing back a guy that failed a, a test to fight your champion, who hasn't had like a legitimate match. <laughs> Kane Velasquez beat him for the title. Like Good he point. hasn't really. I mean, Good he point. had a he had a match, but like it's not the same as when he was battling diverticulitis and he was the champion, right? Like, so this match to me is a propaganda thing, but it's going to look really shitty if Brock Lesnar wins the title again as a guy that couldn't beat Cain Velasquez and Bones Jones is on the sideline as you're, you know, as the, as the guy that knocked DC out first. It's just a weird situation. For wrestling well, fans, maybe like we're said, we, don't, we don't give a shit. <laughs> no, we'd actually be happy maybe, if Brock dropped the title. <laughs> maybe uh, you know that could lead to Bones Jones against Brock Lesnar, which is something that I think a lot of people would like to see. Either or, uh, one thing else I wanted to throw at you, Chris, that we didn't get a chance to talk about was the UK tournament. And the only thing I really want to ask you about is three little questions. Um, who are people that kind of stood out to you out of the wrestlers? Obviously, Zach Gibson won it. To me. He wasn't my favorite wrestler on the thing. I'm not going to actually even say Joe Kofi was like he was going in. I think it's very weird that they're treating Joe Kofi as a heel uh, since he's known mostly as a baby face. And it seems like they're sticking with his brother as some tag team, but that's, that's fine. Uh, Travis Banks from New Zealand really stood out to me. Um, probably one of my favorites in the tournament. Um, so, yeah, who stood out to you? How do you feel about now? Um, I think we kind of talked about this, but – uh, the fact that Mustache Mountain beat the Undisputed Era and our new NXT champion, and that still Zach Gibson did not beat the Bruiserweight to get the UK title. Pete Dunne is still the champion of the UK division, and Triple H basically branded it their division, and it looks like they'll be getting their own show uh, sometime soon. Uh, how do you feel about all this? I mean, the standouts to me were Mustache Mountain and uh, Pete Dunne, and Kofi falls, you know, closely behind, even though I, I'm not necessarily crazy about the heel turn thing either. And I agree with you there, but they were the standouts. And uh, Banks was also really great. Like he, I thought he had some of the better matches of the tournament altogether as a whole. That being said, I watched it Rob, like when it first was on. So I, I, there, I probably need to revisit it. We'll say that. Yeah, I, that's why I brought it up. Was I'm, I'm in the same boat. I mean, I watched all of it, but it was two weeks ago. But we didn't get a chance to cover it. Uh, a couple other guys that stood out to me, uh, Flash Morgan Webster. I like his whole mod look. I think that's a really, really cool concept. Um, uh, Dave Mastiff, little stock bull, bulldog-looking guy. Uh, enjoyed him. And, of course, Jordan Devlin, second year in a row, losing. But the uh, guy was trained by Finn Balor. Definitely like would see more uh, from him in the future. Uh, and I love the idea of a UK show. Uh, Johnny Saint, 71 years old, is going to be commissioning it. And uh, looking forward to being added to the network. Um, and looking forward to seeing these expansions, like we say, in possibly a J- Japan show and, and these different territory systems that Triple H is creating for himself to get more talent and to basically expand WWE wrestling to other places. I think it's awesome. But uh, let's, let's get out of WWE, Chris, and start talking about the G1 
special over at the Cow Palace in San Francisco. Oh, no, not San Francisco. Is it in San Francisco? I scream up that one. No, that is the, yeah, it's San the Cow Palace in San Francisco. You had it. Yeah, yeah. All right, either. I just thought I, I screwed that one up. But either way, uh, we're going to go through the matches, and then me and Chris will talk about our opinions on the event um, outside of it or overall, I guess you could say. Uh, first match, we had Chase Owens, the Gorillas of Destiny, King Haku, and Yorohiro Takahashi versus Gato, Rocky Romero, Rapongi 3K, Yoan Cho, and Yoshihashi. Um, that was a good opener, Chris. I thought it wasn't, you know, anything too crazy. It, but it's, it's hard to do. We, we talked about this. Uh, Survivor Series or, or New Japan likes to do this a lot for their intro matches. It's hard to produce a decent match with five-on-five. Five. Uh, Rocky Romero got the crap knocked out of him for most of it, it seemed. Uh, I know that I think, sadly, one of the things that comes out of this the most is that JR screwed up and called, I think, Yo Yoshihashi. <sighs> God dang. I can't. I mean, I, it's like I get it. I understand you should probably have more time to prepare and everything, but I think people jump down people's throats a little bit too much in general nowadays uh, for minor mistakes. Especially there'll be another one if I if I do remember it. It was one with Bushi when he called him Sonata. It's because they're both trained by Muda and they're both in Lij. But then he completely corrects himself two seconds later. But no one's been able to get over that. But then again, my good friend Chris is going to tell me about this match. Tells me to stay away from the comment section. And I don't. Be- I, I, it's not that I don't believe him. I just I don't for some reason. Anyways, Chris, how'd you like this match? <laughs> I actually enjoyed it. Um, mostly just I mean, Ming dude. Ming was there, <laughs> so I marked out the How entire match. How could drive someone? <laughs> like, you had, you had Ming, a.k.a. Haku, just with his boys. I thought it was a fun match for fans of Haku, and I think that all the stories coming out of it with Greg Valentine and a bunch of people talking about Ming after the fact um, was really great. The match itself was fun. I thought it was a good opening match. Um, it's a, it's what I expect out of a New Japan opener, and I thought it was cool that you know Ming hit the tongue and death grip towards the end, um, and and you know kind of set up the finish on on Gato. So it it, it was just fun. I, I I'm not gonna say it was the most amazing wrestling I've ever seen in my life because obviously it wasn't, and I don't really care about Jr. slipped up on live commentary. It happened. It's not a huge deal to me, um, but overall. Fucking Haku was there. Ming. Ming was there. <laughs> My inner WCW fan marked the fuck out. <laughs> I enjoyed it heavily. Yeah, it was awesome seeing him and his two sons, you know. And we'll, we'll see more of them, and we'll talk more about that. One of my favorite parts of this uh, event. Uh, the next match was Minoru Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. versus Tomohiro Ishii and Toru Yano. We just saw this, I feel like. Um, I didn't think it was that much. I, I, I didn't think it was a bad match. Part of the problem I had uh, was the production and just missing stuff. There was a lot of action. That The main concept in this is not Yano and Zack Sabre Jr. It's Ishii and, and uh, whatchamacallit, Suzuki just beating the crap out of each other. And it would like, you know, you'd see the in-ring action, you'd see all this brawling going on outside, and then it would pan to some dude in the crowd. And then it's like, then you hear someone slammed against off screen against, uh, you know, this is one of the places where we realized that the things weren't attached. The guardrails throughout the whole entire, you know, front of the arena, they, they weren't attached to each other. Um, but yeah, it, it just kind of like, kind of 
took away from the match, and I don't think Yano should be scoring on Zack Sabre Jr. So this wasn't a throwaway match, but it wasn't anything that special to me. Chris, how did you feel? I just don't know where they're going coming out of the match uh, was the big thing. Me either. And it, they didn't give you the spots you really wanted with Suzuki and Ishii, in my opinion, uh, which kind of brought the match down a little bit for me. And I thought the, the finish was a little weird. I don't know if it was rushed or if, if someone missed a spot or something, but it just felt really weird with Yano. You roll up for the win, basically. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it didn't do a whole lot for me. Let's put it that way. And I don't know where they're going out of it. Um, because, you know, Ishii and Suzuki have been going back and forth for a while. Is it the end of it? or they, I don't know. It's it's just weird coming out of the match itself. Uh, I didn't hate it. You know, I, I thought it was solid. It it was, a, I would say, a, a decent match with a weird finish. And I have no fucking clue where they're coming out of it. You know, like where they're going to go out of it. Um, and I kind of agree about Yano beating Zack Sabre Jr. here is kind of a weird move unless they're going to spill that feud out some more. But it, both of those things, I think, kind of ran their course. I, I would like to see this. I, I would like to see them all in different programs, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think it's all leading up, obviously, to more stuff for the G1 tournament. But I don't even know if all these guys are included in it. I'm assuming they are. Um so they'll meet possibly like Zack Sabre Jr. and Yano or uh, Suzuki and Ishii. But it, it seems like if you're going to have a follow-up to what happened just at Dominion, you would have the two of them squaring off at this event. But I don't know. I thought it was one spot I do remember that I'm thinking about is when Yano tried to go to uh, give him the low blow, but Zack Sabre Jr. caught it and then twisted his arm and started like messing with him. I thought that was pretty good. I love Zack Sabre Jr. I like Yano too. Let's go to the next match. Hangman Page and Marty Skrull, Bullet Club, uh, against uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kushida, uh, part of Taguchi Japan, even though uh, we don't see much Taguchi and uh, they never really kind of represent that. But whatever. Um, thought this was a good match. Expecting the baby faces to win, um, and they didn't. Uh, it seems like they've been kind of pumping up Hangman Page a little bit, and he's looking better and better. I'm really enjoying his uh, in-ring stuff. That guy is... 6'3", six, 6'4", six, and did a shooting star press off the apron. Probably not necessary, but awesome if you can pull it off. Uh, not room for error, though, but that's kind of their thing over there. Um, I thought it was a fun match. But, yeah, I was really expecting, especially after them or Tanahashi and um, Rey Mysterio and Liger losing, I kind of saw them, uh, you know, the baby faces getting this. But then again, of course, Bullet Club is for life. They're over as hell. It's over in the States. What do you think about this match, Chris? I was actually fine with the finish. And the thing I brought up, like what I thought of immediately is, are you going to go page and scroll versus uh, the Young Bucks at some point? And are you building to that to further this Bullet Club thing? And I think that might be where they're going because I think page and scroll look very good as a fucking tactic. Um, it just, like, Hangman Page has really impressed me as of late and scroll plays this, to me, he plays like the perfect tag team member, um, the Hangman Page. I think Scroll obviously can do more, uh, but there's nothing wrong with having a good feud with the Young Bucks in New Japan. And I think this could be the start of something like that, uh, building a legitimate tag team to face off against the Young Bucks and, and uh, Tama and Tonga. And I think there's some cool shit you could do where they maybe split off from the Bullet Club 
or split a subsection off of the Bullet Club, kind of like the Golden Lovers, and get a similar feud with some good tag team matches out of it. The match itself, I, I actually really enjoyed. And, and like I said, I, I thought Kushida's always fucking amazing. Um, and I, I thought the match itself was really, really fun. And I just continuously impressed by Hangman Page, even coming out of the Ring of Honor stuff he recently did. Like, guy continues to impress me. Uh, um, I hope that they do... I hope they pull the trigger on my idea for the tag team thing. I really do. Because I, I, they don't really know what they're doing with Marty right now. Um, since that title, the, the title, the short, well, I should say short title run he had, um, it would make sense to have them feud off with uh, some of the other tag teams. It's going to be interesting to see what they what they do and where they go from here. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with you. Um, I'm just wondering, you know, is Damon Page the child of Diamond Dallas Page and Stephen Amell? Is that true? <laughs> I mean, maybe, but like anyone with blonde hair, you think is related to GDP at this point? So. Starting to no, it's because burn. they have no. It's because they have Paige in their last name. But him and Stephen Amell do <laughs> look just alike. Okay, don't don't, don't give me crap about that. Give me a break. Come on. I mean, maybe um, maybe maybe Arrow is going to show up and tell the you know the young bucks that they failed the city and they failed the city with rock and roll and they're going to get hung by the hangman. I don't know, but yeah, I, I see where you're coming. You didn't have you didn't have to answer all that. I was just I was just making more of a joke. Nope. No, I'm making jokes. No, no. Thanks, thanks for destroying me. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, Stephen Amell still got some wrestling uh, left in him. Not done yet. Dude, he was uh, he was jacked working out for the show, showing his like little work t- uh, routine on his, on Facebook, and he had a, a Bullet Club shirt on. Still Bullet Club for life, man. Kind of weird. Uh, never open weight championship match. What were you gonna say? Yes, I was gonna say that cat, that cat is ridiculous, and like he needs to start killing people on Arrow again to get me back on that show. Well, it will be back in September, but you know what's now the never open weight championship discussion between Hiroki Goto and Jeff Cobb. I, for some reason, was expecting more of this match. I have to admit, I really do like Jeff Cobb. I like Goto. Um, I knew they weren't going to give Cobb the belt because he's not fully signed with uh, New Japan. Uh, I forgot what title he came out with, but it was some other promotion's title. If you guys didn't know, I'm going to ruin it for you. Jeff Cobb is Matanza Chiarto on Lucha Underground. Um, good wrestler. I think the Matanza gimmick, though, gives him a little more, um, I don't know, just gives him a little bit more, not charisma, but something. Uh, you know. But he's a good wrestler. He's a damn good wrestler. He's in shape. They had a very, very good back-and-forth match. Um, and uh, Goto won. Uh, he avoided the tour of the islands, and uh, shortly after that, closed the match. Um, it was weird seeing him play heel, but I think he was kind of forced into that when he realized that people were booing him and going for Cobb so much. But uh, it, was, uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a decent match. I liked it. Chris, what do you think? It was an okay match. I'm just kind of jaded because they've had better matches in this year together. So that was kind of weird, right? Like, uh, I don't know, maybe, like, I felt like it started out pretty good, but then it just fell off, like, massively. Uh, this was one of what I clunky. consider. 
Yes, in a weird way that I didn't expect between those two, and I think this is one of my least favorite matches of the night. And it's not because I don't like Goto or... Uh, I think I just had higher expectations for it. And when you have high expectations for something and it lets you down, it's always the worst, right? Absolutely. All right, next match, IWGP Tag Team Championship match. Uh, this is Evil Sonata trying to go and get their titles back from the Young Bucks. I honestly, all things uh, said, I know this might sound crazy to some of you out there that's listening, I think this might have been my fir- my favorite match because the last three matches, and we'll get to them, specifically had things that kind of just brought it down for me. Um, this match was a lot of fun. I thought it was back and forth. I thought it was a great wrestling match. I love that the Young Bucks are saying, fuck you, we can wrestle. Here, you know, you're not going to watch this, but we'll just prove it by doing it. Uh, there wasn't a lot of gimmicks this match. It was, it was fun. Uh, all those guys are awesome wrestlers. Really big fans of the Bucks. Really big fan of Sonata. Uh, this, you know, I thought this was good. I thought this is actually better than the next tag match we're about to talk about with uh, more members of Lij. Uh, what did you think about it, Chris? I I kind of agree with you 100. percent This is one of my favorite matches of the night. Uh, I I kind of lean towards the main event being my favorite. We'll get into that a little bit later, but uh, this one definitely was up there. And I think the Young Bucks have done amazing. Um, the fa- the past few events that I have watched them at, they've really been on their A game. I don't know if it's because Nick, you know, Nick is ac- he's actually wrestling injured, right? Or he was. I don't know if he's completely out of that or not. Uh, but who Matt was the in Yeah, Matt. That's who it was. Yes. The the way they work in that and the way they've been selling recently has been really good. They're doing more of a Rock and Roll Express thing a lot of times uh, where one member is really selling super hard and then you have to come back. I, I thought there was a really good spot like back and forth earlier with, you know, Sonata, I think put Nick and what, fuck, what does he call that move? The par- like it was the paradise lock or something. Um, and then they just basically, you know, beat the shit out of him. And then the young bucks made a great comeback after that. It was like a super good baby face kind of comeback moment, um, which I thought really elevated the match in a way. And then, like, they hit they hit the magic killer, which is always cool, the homage to the Good Brothers. Um, I, it was just a really good match, like, beginning to end. I, it's not the best Young Bucks match I've ever seen, but it was really, really well done. And I really want to see Sonata and Evil go at each other at some point. Like, I want them to build that tension so that you get that feud, because I think that would be a really fun uh, feud between Sonata and Evil uh, because of this, like, leading out of this. So we'll see where they go with it. But, uh, yes, I agree with you. This is either – this is – I'm still debating on whether this is my favorite match of the night, same as you, or my second favorite match of the night. If I take nostalgia of Haku being, being in a match out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I – I understand. Um, all right. Let's go to the next match. Uh, some more members of LIJ, which I think it's unfortunate, but it seems like LIJ is having this. Well, one of them's real with uh, Takahashi, obviously, but it seems within their group things are not going as planned with Naito, obviously, and then Sonata and Evil. But uh, they're definitely putting Naito on one of those, like, fall down a couple notches to build yourself up 
sort of mode. Uh, but it was Bushi and Naito versus Okada and Will Ospreay. It was really good, and I'm not trying to be one of those guys that gets on. People can do what they do. Will Ospreay does take a lot of um, – he takes a lot of, you know, things that he does, like a lot of risks, basically. That's the word I was going for. Um, and this one was much more toned down. It was actually a pretty damn straight, straightforward wrestling match. I love seeing Okada come out with red balloons uh, and, and with money signs on them and then giving them off in the crowd. And he was so damn, you know, uh, he just was ecstatic. He, it seems like even though he's not the champion anymore, maybe because he was in the U.S. and the, and the combination of everything, he's kind of relieved he doesn't have to deal with that same type of pressure, too. And, you know, I, I think he's me and you. He's, he's both uh, our favorite wrestlers, so. Uh yeah, Osprey wins. Uh, he pinned Bushi to be the uh, the fall guy basically, and um, that was about it. Naito and Bushi take a loss. Naito takes a loss. Kata looks pretty damn good. It's all happy go lucky, and uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, it was a pretty good match. Chris, what did you think? I think Okada losing the title has actually done more for him. Um because he had so many successful defenses and held the title belt for so long, now he's a little more sympathetic. And I think the crowd, especially the U.S. crowd, you know how we are about someone having a title for a long time. We freak out about it a little bit. <laughs> because that's what WWE's trained us to do, um, which is the wrong way to look at it, unless it's Brock Lesnar, and which is the right way to look at it. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, it's it's weird. Like I, I, I totally understand what you're talking about, because it they did seem a little more, and I know it's an American crowd and it's going to be different, but I feel like the crowd was a little more into Okada than they normally are. Some of that has to do with everyone is like Will Osprey marks. Um, but, like, I felt like, you know, Okada had a really good match. It was, it, they Everyone in this match had a good match. It just wasn't... I don't know. You You hear Okada and you hear NATO and you just expect something even if it's a tag match, and, and it wasn't that. But it was a good match. I think that's yep. the best way to put it. I do like, if, if you hear, like, Stone Cold on one side and The Rock is on the other side, and then they just have random tag partners, and you're like, oh, well, that was okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it was one of those where it was like, it wasn't bad. Like, the wrestling was really good. It was well done. It's it's one of those randomly yeah, thrown we'll... together New Japan tag matches where it's, I mean, I get it. Like, Will Ospreay is, I wish that they would sell even harder that, like, Osprey's hero is Okada uh, to the point where maybe you turn Okada heel at some point and Osprey's like, you never meet your heroes. Like, do one of those kind of storylines, but they're not going to do that. So them dragging this out where I'm just going to get another Okada-Osprey match, I'm not super looking forward to. Because I'm assuming they're going to end up facing in the G1. I need to, I'd probably have to pull up the blocks again to know that for sure. But like both of these, this match in particular seems like this is the G1 special. We are setting up for the G1. Here's a good tag match. Not a great tag match, but a I definitely agree. All right, let's get to this match, man. IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship match. Hiromu Takahashi versus Dragon Lee. This started off just crazy. And I mean... I've only seen one other match with two of these guys in it, but these guys have a history of just pushing each other to the limits. Um, 
I know, and I mean it's understandable from what happened. Um, a lot of people are going to put blame on t- uh, Dragon Lee, and I mean technically, it was a slip up. It's unfortunate, but I do I do want to say that I, you know, from what Juice Robinson and a lot of people say, they're good friends in real life. And I, I don't think until the ref got a chance to tell Dragon Lee, even though Takahashi was able to somehow keep on going for the next five minutes with the rest of the match and, and do a couple more spots. Yeah, I think he got his, his last move on, uh, his time bomb. But um, that spot was hard to watch, man. The whole match was crazy. I mean, it, it was – I think the match was like 16 minutes maybe, uh, not even much longer than that. And they were taking dives to the outside, and they were doing – you know, there was a uh, sunset flip to the outside that Takahashi did that he always does that always makes me cringe. And uh, uh, trading German suplexes back-to-back, so they're already just wearing each other on the neck, and then that spot happened. And uh, basically, I think it's called, it's, it's a dragon driver. I've only seen Abushi do it, uh, Kota Ibushi. Um, and I don't think it should be done again. Um, because, you know, one wrong error, uh, neck gets tucked, and you saw what happened. Takashi rolled on his neck, apparently broke part of his neck, uh, New Japan has updated and said that he is uh, doing better, that he's able to communicate and everything. And, you know, you got to look at the broken neck concept. People like uh, Sean Waltman, Xbox, you know, in wrestling. Stone Cold, it's very hard to watch. The reason, the Stone Cold that we love was not the wrestler that Stone Cold was. He was a very technical wrestler. And then Owen Hart, unfortunately, broke his neck with a sit-down pile driver, um, or sit-down tombstone, I should say. Whichever way, basically broke his neck. Uh, Kurt Angle's obviously broken his neck before he even went into wrestling, when he was actually in Olympic wrestling and still won a gold medal. I mean, he tells us all the time. So we could see Takahashi come back. This is going to take him back no matter a couple pegs, even if he comes back to wrestling. This could be over. This could be a Shibata situation that I think really could have been handled. I kind of was pissed off at the at – the, uh, the reporters were asking Will Ospreay all about this, making it about this to him. Obviously, Ospreay takes a lot of risk, too. But, you know, that's not fair. I'm also not at the, the mind of Dave Metzler where I'm going to start saying, well, WWE has injuries all the time, too. I get that. People get hurt in the ring. It's something that happens. That move never should have been attempted. I don't know who approved it. I don't know if you know, even if it was approved outside of the two of those guys, because I don't know how it works over in New Japan. That was extremely hard to watch. And one of my favorite light heavyweight wrestlers, and one of my favorite wrestlers in general, a great character in the ticking time bomb, might be done with wrestling because of that. And honestly, it could have been worse. I mean, apparently, he was able to perform. So you could tell that he was hurt, Chris, right, right after it happened. He rolled up and kept on, you know, supporting his neck. And I watched this event Sunday, uh, the morning after the whole event happened and was recorded. Um, I wasn't going to stay up late. I, just, I couldn't, so I just watched it. And I was watching it. I saw that spot happen. I go, that was bad. I knew it was bad. I searched instantly. Dave Metzler's reporting. Takahashi broke his neck from the, the uh, event from that one spot. Um, just really horrible having to watch that and just like go, wow. And just realizing everything, great match, very back and forth, completely ruined to me. I would never want to go back and watch it again because of that spot and just knowing what happened. And I hope Takahashi is fine and he gets better, you know, and I hope he can get back in the ring again. 
Um, I don't know. We don't. We won't know that um, uh, probably for a little while. But I am expecting something to happen with the IWGP title. Uh, some type of, you know, I'm assuming he's going to get stripped of it. I, I don't think he's going to be coming back anytime soon. I could be wrong though. But broken neck's pretty serious. He's broken vertebrae. You know, obviously he didn't break the full neck. He collapsed in the back. He was walking. I mean, he kind of was like held up by people going in the back. He was able to do a time bomb, so he did collapse, but it's not like he was complete paralysis. So I guess that's good. Chris, I know I've talked at length. What do you think? I I mean, so let's just get the – let's get the immediate out of the way. I think it's very shitty that New Japan doesn't come out and say what the injury is and they hold it out the same way as Shibata. Obviously, he had to be evaluated, but we're looking at the like the 11th, and this happened on Saturday. There's no way he wasn't evaluated immediately as soon as he returned back to Japan. I think it's crazy that he flew back to Japan to be evaluated. I think the spot itself, was unnecessary considering the match they were already having. And I don't understand how you protect yourself from that. There's any actual wrestlers out there that have taken this move who happen to be listening to this podcast. I want to know if you can even protect yourself from this move or if it's a hundred percent trust ball, because to me it looked like a bad deadlift into something that there's no way you could protect yourself from. Um, and to me, that's not a move you should be doing unless you're a thousand times stronger than that guy. You know that you're going to be able to deadlift throw him over your head. Uh, the same way, you know, Roman Reigns does the one-arm powerbomb. Even though it's not one-arm, it's still a dangerous move. You know, from the triangle choke position, sometimes he picks him up with one arm, drops him. Uh, at some point, you just you have to have the sheer strength on a guy or be that much bigger than them. This move seemed like a situation where you have little Dragon Lee trying to put him in this very complicated move where Takahashi has no way to defend himself coming down. It's a lot like the buckle bomb. Like, I don't like that move because you cannot protect yourself. If Seth overthrows you, you hit your head on the back of the, you know, the back of the ring post. Uh, you're, you're 100%, and I mean, part of, you know, it's a dance. You, you have to trust your partner, but at the same time, it's like, it's not, like, that move's not necessary to have a good match. Um, that being said, I thought it was a great back-and-forth match, and I, I commend Takashi for finishing it. I think he's fucking crazy for finishing it, um, considering that if he really did break his neck, he, one other wrong move could have killed him. Like, that's crazy to think about, right? Um, considering the amount of pain he was probably in, and it's nuts, I, I but the match itself was really well done. I filed this one in the same way I filed the Shibata match, where... Well, even more so with the Shibata match, because the Shibata match was one move that never even had to happen with the headbutt. Um, some of the things that they're doing in New Japan to outsell or outwork their competition is putting them at risk in the same way that... In a different way, but the same way that ECW used to be. Where do you really need guys jumping off, you know, 400 feet balconies, or do you need someone taking... 17 chair shot it's different and it's different in a more acrobatic way but the extent that you're putting on your body is the same not everyone is going to be able to do an okada omega match not everyone is going to be able to do a bret hart Shawn michaels match it's they're different 
I think that you can have a great match and it not be that. Like, Ric Flair and Terry Funk have had wonderful matches that had none of this shit in it. A lot of it's the story. A lot of it's what you tell in the ring, building to it. Um, obviously, wrestling has changed, especially in New Japan. There is a certain amount of athleticism that's expected. This was a scary spot that was unnecessary. The same way the Shibata spot was unnecessary. I understand why they did it. It's just, it was just dumb. Uh, and it sucks for both of these guys. And I hope Takahashi comes back stronger than ever. I hope they, that he gets MRI'd. I don't know because I haven't heard anything from New Japan. Not that they're directly co- like contacting me, but you think that you would put out a statement by Wednesday um, when the event was on Saturday. But they did the same thing with Shibata. And um, maybe it's bad news. I don't know. But from Dave Meltzer's point of view, this was a broken neck. That seems to be the report. That's what we're going to go with. People have come back, come back from broken necks before. I th- I think Takahashi was a is is a huge star. It could have been a bigger star in New Japan, and I hope uh, you know he gets well soon and, and pulls through this and and continues to find uh, success and maybe a little safer career in a way. Um, luckily, it wasn't. This isn't the first person that's gotten their neck broken in the ring. Luckily, he didn't die. Like, when you're talking about New Japan, it was one or two years ago, someone died of a broken neck. So, it's a weird scenario uh, with New Japan, where I think they really need to... I'm not saying dial back the action, dial back the strong strikes, you know, the really hard-hitting action, but some of these suplexes they're doing are getting to be a bit much. I know why they're doing it. Yeah, like, dude. Imagine, I'm not saying imagine don't. how bad it was. Imagine how bad it was if that Spanish fly that nicked the shit out of Will Ospreay was full contact. That could have fucking broke his neck. Like, I'm just saying, and like I said, I, I'm I'm sad that Will had to get not attacked, but like asked about that. And of course, his friend who's in the hospital he doesn't want to be like talking about unsafe shit. But hearing, uh, you know, Juice Robinson today live getting interviewed by X-Pac, and him asking him about the whole incident. And Juice said, you know, that the question to Juice was, uh, do you think, has there been any announcement about changing up certain ass down when it comes to moves like that that are unnecessary in the match, that are already a great match? And he said no, and he goes, they've always been like this. Uh, with New Japan, they want freedom for the wrestlers, but even he thinks it's crazy. He says, he's told Will Ospreay, he's told specifically Dragon Lee, and Takahashi, who are friends with him, that what they do, some of them, it's crazy. Like, he doesn't want to see them get hurt. So, I understand that there's, like, especially Lossbury gets extremely pissed off when presented with this. But at the same time, me and you have pointed out, there was no point for that. It was an unneeded spot. It was an awesome match without that spot, and it kind of just, just like Shibata headbutt. That match was incredible. That, that headbutt was completely unneeded. And I understand the wrestler's uh, you know, want to be a top performer, but at the end of the day, you got to realize it's a work. Why the fuck would you allow something like that for for a performance? I, I just it 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 baffles my mind. I will uh, I will correct myself, but uh, it wasn't New Japan where that happened, but it did happen uh, recently. I believe it was Masala a while back where he had a broken neck that actually killed him. Yeah. Uh, one of so, the biggest names in in, in wrestling. 
die up in the broken. So like, yeah, and, and, and that te- technically that wasn't in New Japan, but I, at some point, and the Hayabusa thing was a botched spot that no one could avoid. I mean, it's a lion salt. Lots of people do lion salt. It's an yeah, athletic that's the reason move. why you it, grab the the ropes now. It's because of shit yeah, like that like, back in the day. That one's weird. The other one was off a dirt, you know, a belly to back suplex, which seems to be a simple move. But like all of these suplexes they're putting in these matches, um, especially with small, these smaller guys. That one was so weird because it's he like lifted him up to his chest, held him, and then flipped him like and a powerbomb. And I don't understand how you. I don't understand how you counter it. Like, like how do you protect yourself? And that's a big problem. It, it, like, as a wrestler, if you can't protect yourself, the move becomes dangerous. And technically, you can't protect yourself on a powerbomb, really. I mean, you can tuck your chin, but if someone just drops you straight on your head, there's nothing you can do. Um, so there's certain moves that that's just going to be a thing, but, like, this one, with Dragon League being smaller in technique, uh, having to be 100% accurate with that move. I, I think that New Japan is doing this because they know that they're striking a chord. They're putting on these crazy fucking matches. And it's making everyone step up their game to do more and more and more in the same way that it was with ECW, where it's like, well, what what's the next crazy fucking thing you're going to do? But it's different because now it's it's not just hitting someone with like a cookie pan or jumping off something dumb with one guy, it's they're doing actual wrestling moves. Um, they can be just as dangerous if, if not done properly. I don't want to harp on this all night, but like, I, I think me and you are on the same page with it. I, I, it was a great match. You take the one spot out of it. It was probably like a, probably their best match together. Um, crazy that they like that he got up and finished it to be honest, but <laughs> scary. That's like very fucking Yeah, definitely. No one's questioning his toughness this week at all. <laughs> no. Well, all right. Let's get to the second to last match: the IWGP US Heavyweight Championship match between Jay White and Juice Robinson. Wow. This is a, this is. A, I mean, I have to say that even though there was that, and we'll get to it. I keep on saying that. It's my like new. Uh, Catchphrase. We'll get to it. Um, but spot aside, this is a fucking great match. Back guys have come a long way. Uh, Jay White got a lot of heat. Some of it uh, unintentional, but he made it work for him. He's lucky he didn't get his ass kicked. Uh, and Juice Robinson is first of all. Kevin Owens says that you are one of the greatest. I think Kevin Owens said that Juice Robinson's the greatest promo right now in wrestling. That's a huge fucking compliment. Because to me, Kevin Owens is one of the greatest promos in wrestling. Um, what, what the heck? I'm trying to... I, I, I think that their performance is great. I love Juice in the ring. There's so much passion. Obviously, the big thing in this match, he had a cast on his hand because he, quote-unquote, broke his hand. Or I think Jay broke his hand. Um, so he couldn't use his right arm or his right fist throughout the whole entire match, and that was definitely played into it. Uh, that I had a problem with is something that people were bitching about old man Jim Ross for complaining about. One, that would literally cause uh, another event, but the two things 
was the fact that the guardrails they were smashing into weren't attached. They were just, like, completely detached from themselves. So they were flying into them, which is a really great, you know, visual. But another thing, they were doing a lot of stuff that was technically not no DQ, but very close to it. And one of my problems with New Japan, especially, like, when, like, sometimes even weapons, like, Suzuki's allowed to grab a weapon in a normal match for some reason. And the ref could be looking right at him. And the 10 counts don't start for fucking 30 seconds of being in absolute mayhem outside. So I understand why Jim Ross would say, like, you know, is there any, is, is like, like kind of commenting on it. Uh, because it's kind of frustrating as a wrestling viewer to watch it. Except for, you know, it, it, it wasn't a hardcore match. Either way, basically it led up to, um, you know, uh, Jay White throwing, um, Juice Robinson into the guardrail, which right behind them was the announce desk. Apparently, JR told them the night before that he didn't want them to do a spot over there because he didn't want to get knocked over by it. And he also mentioned to them something about making sure that the, uh, the, the, the guardrail was connected. Juice Robinson checked and also asked about it in the morning time because they didn't do it. And they said they were going to get around to it. Now, apparently, these guys, including the production, the television production, didn't work, officially work for uh, New Japan. They worked for the television, um, uh, the, the station that plays New Japan. I think it's Access. So this is their people. Still not that great of an excuse. So basically, Jay throws Juice into the guardrail. Um, it knocks so hard that Jim Ross, 71 years old, goes ass over tea kettle, over the fucking chair. Josh pissed, says, you done fucked up now to Jay White. Juice is selling, uh, but Juice is saying that the whole thing was like, he couldn't believe what the fuck was going on. So everyone thought this, all, all of you smarts out there, all of you guys, you thought that this wasn't true. And who knows, maybe this is elaborate bullshit and we'll find out about it. Uh, JR had to let everyone know online on his Facebook account, though, that he wasn't going to be able to make all of his England uh, dates, even though he, had, he was injured. Um, he also, you know, said that both guys came up to him afterwards and apologized. Juice has said also that same thing. So this, I don't think this, this is this what happened, basically. Josh got pissed off. He's got an ex-UFC heavyweight champion. He's pissed off that his buddy, someone that he really respects, Jim Ross, just got knocked over. Jim Ross ended up bruising a rib. Uh, originally, they thought he broke it. Either way, if, if, you can, if, if anyone's experienced that, how hard it is, even with a bruised rib, to be able to talk. 71 years, years old. Josh goes around, is trying to get Jay White to whoop his ass, basically. Gets in the ring. Probably not the most professional thing to do. Uh, I think Red Shoes calmed him down a little bit. I understand Jay White at first was trying to play the heel and trying to make something of a situation. And it ended up working, I think, in his favor. Because this all looked like a work. This all looked like it was actually, you know, a part of the performance. Finally, Josh gets calmed down. He goes back. Jim Ross is even at that back on saying, hey, don't stop the match for me, being professional Jim Ross. And kind of buries the rest of it, you know, uh, to an extent. I do understand the criticism from fans out there uh, because they keep on slamming each other into these guardrails that are, you know, open and, and whatnot and kind of calling out more and even more aggravated about the fact that stuff was going on, that what the fuck was ref doing. Um so, yeah, it probably was due to the fact that he had a bruise rib and he was pissed off about it. That, that probably had something to do with it. And I really wouldn't be surprised. I know that JR is, is cooler heads prevail, 
And I will, we'll learn more about this because he's about to release um, an interview of the Ross Report with Josh Barnett specifically about this. But he said that he's, he's talked to both of them. Jay White apologized a lot, apologized to Josh. Obviously, he was trying to get heat and try to use that. You know, it's, it's understandable. It was a stupid mistake. But this is actually the ring crew's fault. What the fuck was going on? There's another thing that happened in the Kenny match I'll just talk about now where I think the timekeeper – there was one guy that was by himself. He had some type of instrument, was dressed up. Maybe he was the, maybe he was the one announcing. I don't remember exactly, but he was in this one square. And I think Kenny got smacked against it uh, from Cody so hard that it crushed him. And he was actually, like, screaming. And, like, J.R. was like, what the fuck? Pissed off about that that happened with this guy. And, like, I, I don't – that type of stuff. It's just, like, you, you guys got to be better than this. You're, you're New Japan, you know? I mean, just, like, that's a – Really just crazy shit, but uh, they had a great match, um, and Juice Robinson luckily won, uh, or I think everyone would have uh, probably killed Jay White, um, and it was great seeing Juice Robinson with the title. Very, very happy about him uh, winning that. I thought it was a great match. Just that spot, man, just all that shit could have been avoided. It, it got really out of control, and I feel bad for JR, and I hate these fucking... New Japan kind of toxic fans that remind me of the Marvel fans. Like, we're superior. We're so much better. Everything else sucks. It's like, can you just like everything? Can you just like, uh, you know, what the fuck? Why do you got to like be a part of this forceful group and just bury someone like Jim Ross for being upset about something that he has recently upset? And now you morons realize it's not a fucking work and that it was real. So where's your comments now? I don't know. I'm going to stop ranting. Pass to you, Chris. How do you feel about the match? It's a weird situation, right? Like, it, Jim Ross told them that this was a problem, apparently. Like, he's openly said he, it was a problem on Friday, the day before the show. They did the spot anyways. He gets hurt. I would be pissed as well. Jim Ross has been in the wrestling business for a long time. He was a referee ever before he stepped to becoming an announcer. I think that he has a sense of how wrestling works and when there's dangerous fucking spots and when they get the fuck out of the way. And I, he probably thought that he was going to be safe on a guardrail spot, to be honest. Um, it's a weird, it's a weird thing because I think it does take away from a match that was really, really good. Uh, my love for Jr. Uh, as you know, over nine thousand early WCW commentary. Yep. <laughs> um, obviously, you know, just Jim Ross in general. I give him a pass on a lot of stuff. He, he's a little more cranky than he used to be, and uh, it's not as good as he used to be, but he's went through a lot of shit in the past few years, so I give him a pass because he's still fucking Jim Ross. Same way John Madden was still John Madden. Um, he's the voice, right? Like, So I thought it was cool Jim Barnett got pissed. I, I think he had every reason in the world to be pissed. I don't know if it was a setup spot gone wrong. I can't comment to that. Uh, what I will comment to is if it was set up, there's safer ways to do it. W, w, uh, WWE, for instance, and people will shit on this, have breakaway barricades with padding. Like, there's safer ways to do this entire thing, and it still looked devastating. When Braun throws a dude on a rolly chair through a barricade, it still looks fucking pretty ferocious. Um, you don't have to put anyone at risk. This stuff is going to come more and more to the forefront if they don't dial it back a little bit. Now, what I will say is that I'm very happy Juice Robinson won the title. I think he's done some great promo work. I thought he had some amazing matches in the G1 last year. 
uh, one specifically yep. with the Kenny Omega, uh, that have really impressed me by him. I was coming around on Jay White, but for him to drop the title so fast, I don't know that they're completely sold on him. So uh, after this, I w- it will be interesting to see what they do with him, to be completely honest. Because once you get out there in the ring, it doesn't matter what you were told in the back. Like, things happen. So I'll be curious to see what comes of this. Um, it, it was a good match. Uh, I, I, you know, I I like Juice Robinson a lot. I, I look forward to seeing what his title run is going to look like and, and whether he ends up going against, uh, like, a Cody Rhodes or uh, an Evil or someone for this uh, American title. I think it would be cool for the United States title to be defended against a Japanese uh, someone from New Japan, a Japanese wrestler. I think that is the next move they need to make. Um, and someone from Japan winning it, like a Kashida or someone, would be really interesting. And cool, like put a baby face over, like a Japanese baby face over the title and see how that works out. I agree. All right, let's move to the last match, Chris. IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Kenny Omega with the Young Bucks versus Cody with the beautiful Brandy Rose. Um, I will say, I think this is a more exciting match out of the two, but when it comes to actual pure wrestling, I think that uh, the match that he had with Cody in Ring of Honor, I think it's a better wrestling match, if that makes sense. Um, because once again, it's like, I mean, I guess technically if you don't hit them with the object, you can kind of do what you want, but I don't think a referee would let them set up a fucking ladder in certain spots. So that type of stuff kind of did bother me. Especially when you have old cranky JR pissed off that he bruises his ribs, you know, bitching about it constantly. Uh, but it was a great match, don't get me wrong. Uh, Cody, one of the best heels, I think, in the business, which I have a little bit of other problems that we'll get to. Um, using his wife, putting her in the way uh, to, to not uh, get knocked out by Kenny uh, several times, and just doing dastardly shit like that. I love, uh, like the Bucks trying to, like, reason with Kenny because Kenny was like, I've had it. Storyline was like, I've had it with Cody. He's getting taken out. And you can see that throughout the whole entire progression. They set up a ladder inside. They set up a table outside. Bucks trying to get Cody not to do it. He's, he's claiming he's going to suplex Cody out through the table. I knew that wasn't going to happen. Still, the spot of the suplex off that giant ladder uh, from, or from Cody to Kenny to the mat was pretty painful to watch. Um, match keeps on going, uh, and then the spot that I still don't understand, how the fuck someone, and I'm not criticizing Kenny Omega, um, for being, for, uh, for his whole wrestling thing at all. Uh, I think he's an incredible wrestler. He claims, and I've heard him say it many times, my V-triggers, you guys think that it, it gets hit a lot harder than it is, that's again hit. You know, right in the sternum, that's, the, that's what you hear. I'm a very safe wrestler, very safe wrestler. I've heard him say that in interviews with Edge and Christian, and I'm not saying he isn't. I don't know who the fuck decided the spot. No, even if they were to have nailed it correctly, should be done. Since I haven't seen East, or anyone fucking do it since Mike Austin did it in ECW. And it wasn't a smart idea now, and it isn't a smart idea. I, I just, there's a lot of stuff. It's like American audience, American people. Let's prove to them you guys know wrestling, because that's New Japan's thing. And then you do a running fucking powerbomb through a table with Cody Rhodes. And it's like he was a little bit, just a little bit too much to the right 
and it didn't crack in the middle, and he just bounced off it, his head and his fucking back, and Brandy and the Bucks looked legitimately concerned, and I think Kenny was right then, you know, and then Brandy kind of played into it, you know, getting in the way of Kenny doing the V-trigger. He finally got the one-wing angel for the win. You know, Cody stands tall. Cody's out now until all in, he said. Uh, He said he was filming something. I'm assuming it might be something on Arrow. Um, But I I, I don't know. He's kind of playing it off like he meant to do this, like he wanted to be out until all in. I don't know if that was originally the, the, you know, what was supposed to happen because that, that powerbomb spot was awful. And I love Kenny Omega. I don't, I don't know why they decided that was necessary. The match was great. Uh, with the suplex spot was enough for being top craziness. Um, and then, of course, afterwards, we have them going up, you know, Cody and, and Kenny, uh, they embrace Everything's cool, young bucks, blah, blah, blah. They go up the ramp. Cody goes on his way. Then the uh, Gorilla's Destiny with their father, King Haku, come out. Um, everyone's all happy-go-lucky, coming back down the ramp. And then you see Tomatonga, and I knew it was going to happen. I loved it. Tomatonga just come in and completely just blindside Kenny in the back of the head. He goes flying down the uh, entrance, uh, and they just laid them out. And then it was... One of the situations where people would come out, Adam Page and, and Marty came out. They get laid out. Uh, you think that Chase Owens and, um, and the Tokyo Pimp are going to be okay. They get laid out, too. They're OG members. Holy crap. Uh, so it looks like I'm assuming that it's the three of them, their big brother, or their little brother, the, the tall little brother, and Bad Luck Fale as, you know, this Tonga group, uh, the firing squad. Uh, Cody comes out. Tomatonga hands in the chair. And this is where I think they, they kind of screwed up, honestly. Cody's the biggest heel. Why, why, wasn't, why couldn't have he been the third guy, if you will, for the NWO? Like, like this was all him. Like, make it look like, no, I'm going to here to protect my friends. Then right at the last second, big old smile from Cody, chair shot. He's actually a part of this whole entire thing. Maybe he's the leader. Even if he's leaving for right now, he gets to come back to that once he's done as the villain that he is that they've built. I mean, there's, I don't see a point of, I don't know, keep on going with it. I also would have not, uh, Chase Owens and Tokyo Pimp, I mean, they have nothing to do and they're going to be in Japan with you. So, I don't know. That That's my only error, but I thought it was awesome. I loved the turn. I thought it was great. I kind of just would have gone with Cody actually being the heel that he's supposed to be and turning on Kenny, kind of just the ultimate FU after all of that, you know, uh, Chris, how did you feel about Tamatanga and the firing squad turning on the Bullet Club? You know, I didn't have as much of a yeah. No, I really enjoyed it, um, and I didn't have as much of a problem with what they were doing with Cody because I think they're just building back to the Bullet Club feuding. So you know, they'll take care of the small fish, Tamatanga and those cats. They'll take care of them, and then the Bullet Club will solve their problems, which will be Cody and Omega. Because that's not going to go away. And it could be a situation where Omega uh, is very much in a spot where, you know, AJ Styles was, where it's the passing of the baton of the Bullet Club and maybe leaving. So I think it's a good idea to build them, build it this way, uh, especially with Cody going out. And, you know, they're going to be building Cody up for all in. Um, 
the table spot was scary. I didn't have as much of a problem with it because I thought that he landed as safely as possible as he could without the table. Uh, obviously. I just don't think they should have done it to begin with. Ugh. They just use those shitty tables in New Japan for some reason. Those fucking things never break properly. Like, they're better than the ones that Okada and Omega were using, but they're still just fucking hot garbage. Um, but in any case, the rest of the match I thought was pretty pretty fucking phenomenal. Uh, overall, I, I thought it was a really great match. Um, the reason they're taking all the risks and doing all these shadowy spots is because you take away from the fact that it's not... You have to. You have to point out the fact that it's not Okada versus Omega. That's just kind of where Omega is now. And to have that reaction, to get the same reaction that he's going to get with Okada, I feel like that he has to go over the top. They have to do these spots. Um, it sucks. And this is exactly why I wanted NATO to be a transitional champion. Uh, is so that you could build up kind of matches and take away some of the mystique of what Okada and Omega really is when they get into the ring. Um, I, maybe that's just me thinking about it, but it's like we just came off that big banger of Omega winning the title. I don't know that you go straight to this um, unless you already know that Cody is going to be gone. Because I don't know where you yeah, go. Yeah, I thought... I, so, do you go I, back to Okada? I the match was... I don't know. And the thing is, I thought the match was long, and I thought that their feud should have been dealt with before this. So, I don't know. To me, I thought it was a great event. My biggest thing is I'm not going to act like it was 100% perfect. I thought that if you're trying to attract the American audience, stuff like that, by saying, hey, this is San Francisco in our backyard, you know, and this whole entire thing. I understand they have to have those concession breaks and stuff like that, but this is where you put like, they do have video packages, but this is where you go to the, the, the commentators. I, maybe I'm used to WWE product, but I don't think that's a bad thing. You go to the commentators, you go in the back, you take an interview with someone, you do this, you do that. You don't have to do those stupid, like, little fucking storyline-driven things, but something so it's not just staring at a ring and a camera while watching people in the audience for 10 minutes. Stuff like that, certain production things while, while filming, missing stuff. Uh, the ref's not really giving a fuck about shit going on. Stuff like this, I wish... and. The guardrails, all of them being attached, stuff like that, I think could have been avoided. I just, I, I feel like this was, I, I, the last special was cool. I, I had fun with it, but I thought this was like the follow-up one was much more driven. And if you're a newer person watching it, you might have just been like, that, that's not as good as what I've heard, or like, that's just ECW shit from back in the blah blah blah. And I, maybe that shouldn't matter, but to me, it's like I want New Japan to have good exposure when coming over here and having a show, and I thought that they kind of exposed themselves instead. I mean, I thought it was a really good overall show, but if I was going to tell someone, like, all right, so was any of the matches on this card better than Ricochet versus Velveteen Dream? No, I don't think so. Maybe, uh, I don't know. That's my thing, is if the, if the measuring stick is what WWE is doing, then start comparing this stuff to NXT. Absolutely. And a, if you're comparing yeah. a full fucking card, then yes, this is better, but what had the better match? And I, that's not always going to be the case, but Velveteen no, Dream if you were, if you were and Ricochet pick, had an amazing to, match with none of this, none of these gimmicks. Say, they had a straight wrestling I'll match, just, and it was fucking awesome. 
Well, yeah, no, and I was just going to say, like you were kind of saying, it's like if I had a friend check out New Japan, I'd tell him to watch Dominion. I would not tell him to watch the one that was in San Francisco with JR doing the commentary. I would definitely tell him to go watch Dominion over there. But I don't know. We got five minutes. And, and, uh, I definitely. What's up? I was just going to follow up on that, and I I, I would agree with you on that. I th- I think Dominion bet- was a better overall better. Obviously, it had you know one hell of a banger between Omega and Okada, uh, but I don't think that's the go to match you show to someone that's getting into wrestling. Right, you're going to show them a sixty three minute match or whatever the hell it was. Like no, like you don't have to have these huge crazy spots to have a good match. Like Ricochet and Velveteen Dream had an awesome match an awesome match and none of that shit was scary to me I still hated that damn suplex though to the outside I thought that was unnecessary but that's probably the worst that they did I I mean you thought that was worse than the suplex off the top of the fucking ladder though no 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 I'm not saying that I'm just saying (laughs) across the board needs to stop you know Hey, but um, real quick, Chris, let's just go over, um, you know, our, who we think is going to win the matches for Extreme Rules. I'm just going to go down the card, and then we will sign off to everyone. But definitely check out G1, guys. You can see it for what, what it is. It was, I love New Japan. It's still got amazing, amazing wrestling, and they treat it like an actual, like, well, they treat it like professional wrestling and not sports entertainment, basically. Either way, let's go to sports entertainment now. WWE Extreme Rules. WWE Championship. AJ Styles versus Rusev. This is going to be, I hope, hopefully a good match, a good showing of Rusev. He's losing, though. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah, I agree. AJ Styles is going over. All right, Intercontinental Championship match. Dolph Ziggler versus Seth Rollins. The only way I could see Seth Rollins picking up the title is if somehow, I guess, Drew McIntyre screws Dolph Ziggler for some reason in the storyline. Dolph Ziggler is going to win. I am looking forward to this match, 30-minute Iron Man match between these two. The guy that wants to be Shawn Michaels and the guy that naturally is this generation, Shawn Michaels, it's going to be great. Chris, what do you think? Seth Rollins loses uh, due to Dean Ambrose. Oh, that would be so awesome. I could see Dean coming out there for sure. Either doing a kill thing, which I would like, but not probably going to happen. Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax, who do you, think, who do you got? I got uh, Alexa Bliss winning. Uh, I have Nia Jax. All right, Carmella and Oscar with James Ellsworth uh, suspended in a shark cage. Uh, I'm I'm gonna have Carmella actually winning somehow against Oscar. I, I hope Oscar wins up. I think Oscar demolishes her. I think they're done with the Carmella experiment. Hopefully. All right, and then we got Reigns and Bobby Lashley. I'm gonna say, uh, what am I thinking? Roman Reigns. I'm gonna go with Lashley. I think they're. I, I, I think I'm not going to say they're done with the Reigns experiment, but I think they got more more stock in Lashley right now. So Lashley. Well, unfortunately, we didn't get a chance to finish that up, guys. But uh, definitely check out our shows. We had too much to talk about. You guys have a great night. Love ya. See, love you guys. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. 
Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today.